Hello everyone, this is your host Caroline Owen, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Global Perspective, my podcast about all things political, multicultural, and international. After a long hiatus, I'm finally back with the 11th episode titled The Role of Social Media in the Pandemic Era, and today one of my mentors and teachers and I are going to be analyzing three different aspects of the versatility of social media as well as how it's been used during this new age of digital media reliance and the pandemic. We're going to talk about how it's been used as a way to connect people, spread information, sometimes confusion, and also facilitate an exposure to the arts and culture, specifically literature. I have a very special guest with me today, one of my teachers and mentors, Mrs. Greenberg. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Mrs. Greenberg, and I'm the librarian at Caroline's High School. I'm a former English teacher and teach a computer literacy class to middle schoolers. I also am the advisor for the Literature Club, which Caroline started at our high school, and The Phoenix, the school's literary magazine. I currently write book reviews for Woodbury Magazine and School Library Journal, and I have a monthly column in Knowledge Quest, which is the online journal for the American Association for School Libraries. As a school librarian, I work closely with the subject teachers to promote information literacy and to ensure that students learn how to find credible sources for their research. I believe that not only is it important for high school students to learn how to analyze works of literature, but it's also crucial for them to be able to sort through the online information and recognize biases and inaccuracies. And as a side note, I ran my own podcast with my daughter called Book Screens, in which we discuss books that had been adapted into movies. I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you, Caroline, for having me. Of course, Ms. Greenberg. I'm so happy to have you here and really just thank you for taking time out of your day to do this with me. I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspective. So before we begin, just a short note, um, I do apologize for taking a long hiatus from the podcast, but things have been kind of hectic with the start of my junior year of high school, standardized testing, things like that. So it took me a little bit of a while to adjust to that, but I'm really happy to be back and look forward to regular every other week uploads from now on. So today's episode, again, like many of my previous episodes, will be broken down into a few different sections that relate to the main theme, which is the role of social media, especially in this current age. Today's episode is all about how digital, social, and physical forms of media are being used to expand people's worldview, whether that be reading an ebook, listening to a podcast, going on a virtual museum tour, a campus tour, or really just exposing yourself to something new. Amidst this pandemic, the virtual side of self-expression and self-exploration has really taken off, and we've seen this through the starting of many quarantine passion projects like my podcast, as well as people just really using social media as a way to get themselves out there more in the world. Additionally, now more than ever, people have been relying on digital media for their news and information, which as we'll discuss later, can be dangerous if someone really doesn't know what to look for necessarily. So, I'm going to start off with the first section, which I think is kind of the most obvious, which is how people have been using social media to stay connected in quarantine. There are a lot of um, different topics we'll bring up in this category, but I think this one should be um, pretty interesting. It kind of revolves around school, personal life, connections, etc. So, uh, Ms. Greenberg, maybe let's start with this. How, what has your experience been as a teacher with using social media to not only facilitate classes, um, you know, the literature club that we're working on, the Phoenix, etc.? I think for the most part, it's been a pretty positive experience. I think in the beginning, everybody was sort of out of whack with all of the different Zooms and how to reach the students. But once we kind of got the hang of it, it really has been incredible because 
to be able to reach students from home when we were completely quarantined was a real gift. And years and years ago, we would never have been able to do that. So when we came back to school, I know some people are still fully remote, but what I've been doing, I teach a computer literacy class and I have some students on Zoom and some in my actual classroom. So that's been a little bit challenging because we have to make sure that we have everybody together and listening and all the different um, microphones and things. But it, I have to say, it's been working much better than I expected. And I think that in a way, it's nice that we can connect through this medium because otherwise we would just kind of just be emailing and sending things through the computer. So it's nice to be able to see people's faces. Definitely. I think the the uh, quasi-human interaction is really what a lot of people have been missing out on. So I think it's great that schools are finding a way to implement that through the use of Zoom and FaceTime and things like that, which actually I think is um, something that's really important, not even just for students, but also just for friends. I mean, I've personally haven't been using um, really FaceTime that much ever, but now more than ever during the last few months, I've been FaceTiming with people all the time, hosting private Zooms, even like now uh, Ms. Greenberg and I are Zooming together to record the episode. So just being able to see people's faces, I think is really important. Um, so you mentioned to me before, and you mentioned in the intro, a little bit about some of the virtual projects that you've been pursuing, your book reviews, your book Instagram, book talks. So maybe you want to discuss a little bit kind of what your experience with that has been and how um, you found using social media to spread this literature awareness. Sure. I, you know, a lot of times people talk about social media, especially when you think about high school and, you know, teenagers. And I feel like a lot of people talk about the negative effects of social media, but not as many people talk about the positive effects. And I've found it really depends on how you approach social media. So for me, for example, during the pandemic, I started a bookstagram account, which is basically an Instagram account that focuses on books. I had no idea at the time that there was an entire book community on Instagram. So I joined and I made a, a book account called Books with KG. And I just started posting every day about books that I've been reading or anything. Sometimes I posted about childhood books that were favorites. And then all of a sudden I started following all of these people from around the world. And it's been incredible. I've connected to people I never would have connected with people from Germany and Africa and South America and all different races, religions. It's just been an incredible, an incredible experience for me. And again, people who are not looking for that on social media would never have found it. So to me, that is one of the positive aspects. And it's, there are all different types of accounts. It's not just a bookstagram community that's available. So if somebody were interested in architecture, there are architects on Instagram and there's all these different communities that help people not only bring people together with people like them, but expand their horizon so that you see, for example, I'm friends with somebody who's a pilot and she loves to read books. So I'm learning all about the airline industry just from her personal you know, account and it's really interesting. So I think that in that aspect, it's really a positive thing. Um, and that goes also with the articles I write for Knowledge Quest. It's a group of school librarians who share ideas and we can comment back and forth. So all throughout the pandemic, we had this community of 
librarians and we were able to communicate and say, what's your biggest fear about going back to school and what are you going to do about this? And there are a lot of great things that, that come out from social media, I think. That's so interesting. And wow, I really didn't know the extent to which the the book Instagram and the other connections you've made have really like contributed, as you said, to this expansion in your thinking. That just That's really interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up. And I, I agree with you. I think that now more than ever, people are using social media not only to put themselves out there to start new passion projects, to just discover uh, something new to learn or to teach themselves. I think they're using it also just to like share ideas, to contribute something to this global conversation about literally anything as you said before you know on instagram there are study pages motivational quote pages bookstagrams there's um, photography pages like literally anything you want you can pursue it i've had friends who've started their own podcasts and blogs over quarantine and using instagram as well i think is a really effective way to market because so many teenagers use it and young people and just i think that it's a really valuable tool. Um, so I just, that, yes. yeah. And I think that the, what gets focused on a lot is teenager, a teenager who will just take selfies and promote herself and they present it as sort of a shallow escape for teenagers, but it actually can be so much more than that. And people, it just is a matter of using it how you want to use it. I definitely agree. And I think it's sometimes hard to strike the balance. I think people want to kind of create a a vision not only for what they want but also for who they think they are and i agree that it's important to kind of remember that there's so much more that people can use social media for than just self promotion of the person instead of an idea or a concept or a creation or something like that but i still think you know it's it's been very useful so far um and so this kind of ties into something else i wanted to talk to you about um, so our literature club, actually, we haven't started yet as our school hasn't really um, a- approached club leaders with a plan for the fall semester. However, um, back in March, when we transitioned to online learning, we did use um, Zoom and other forms of media, uh, social media like Canvas to kind of discuss books and things like that. So maybe do you want to give a little bit of your perspective on it and then I'll share after. Yeah, sure. I think it was great that we were able to have Zooms and discuss, even if it was only for a short period of time. A lot of times, as you know, you guys were all so busy and weren't able to read long books. So we went to short stories sometimes. And it was incredible, even just being able to post, if we couldn't get the book to everybody, I would scan the pages and post that onto Canvas, which is the learning management system that our school uses. And people were able to read the story just on their computers and then come back and talk about it. So it was, I think it was a a great benefit to us as a club to be able to not only talk about the literature, but our conversations always seem to veer off into these interesting places, whether it's about literature and it always evolves into something that says something about society and about our ideas so to me it's such a great way to be able to continue that conversation even when we were in quarantine and couldn't see each other face to face i i totally agree and i think now as i've been saying before now more than ever i think um at least with our school district 
I'm pretty sure most clubs are going to be completely virtual because it's hard to balance meetings when you have some students outside of the building and, and doing remote learning at home. I think the fact that not only the students, but also the educators like you have been able to adapt so quickly, like in the last, I think, two years, really, um, our school district has done such a revamping of using digital resources to facilitate learning. So really, I just commend you and the other teachers for making the transition so quickly. But I, I do think we, we had a really positive experience with using Zoom and Canvas. And I think it's um, really beneficial that we're somehow being able to find a way to substitute the in-person meetings for a relatively similar experience, whether it's digital, whether it's over, um, you know, with audio or video or anything like that. I think it's really important to find that balance. I agree. And I think that another thing to note is that a lot of older teachers, which I kind of consider myself one of, people are sometimes resistant to all the modern technology. And I'll never forget when I was in library school, one of my professors, this was about six years ago, and she said something about technology. And I said, well, I'm not really that into technology. And she stopped me and said, wait, 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 stop right there. She said, you as a future librarian cannot say that. You need to jump right on. And I, from that moment, I realized and I just embraced technology. And it was scary at first because I didn't know a lot of the new modern apps and all the things that we were using but i jumped right in and learned how to make my own website and for that i think i'm so grateful that she made me realize that because even with the high school library i was able to go on facebook and there's a group called um facebook or it's canvas for librarians and it shows all the different ways to incorporate the learning management system that we use with the library and I was able to make a whole Bitmoji classroom which is like the modern craze of a lot of teachers and it's all interactive so people can join this canvas course and click on book talks or databases research tools and it's been really great that I can communicate and provide all the students with these tools without actually seeing them really just everything you've been doing and I saw a little bit of the new um, like digital pages you've been making for uh, your Canvas pages. Really just everything I feel like is so different now that we're all, it's almost like we're reinventing how secondary education really is being approached and being conducted in our country. So I'm personally really excited to see what the plan for the rest of the year is going to be. But I think if things continue as they are now, um, that teachers and students have really been doing a good job of adjusting to this new method of learning. So I think everything will keep going smoothly. I want to transition now into an, another category, which I think um, is also really important as we've been talking about computer literacy, media literacy, actually just something you mentioned to me a couple months ago, which was, you know, your opinions on staying informed. So I want to talk about next the impact that social media has on information. Um, not specifically politics per se, since I think with our current climate coming up with the election in less than a month, um, it might be best to stay away from that for a while. Also, mm -hmm. since my podcast is mostly political, um, but I, I think this is a really important topic. Do you maybe want to uh, start off with a little bit about your personal views on how, you know, things like bias, information, literacy, um, just being well informed in general, both as a student and as a person? Yes, I think this is probably the most important issue affecting youth today because starting at such a young age, students 
from social media, from all of the things that they see online, they get information and many students, many young children have no idea that sometimes they see things that are not necessarily true or credible. So to me, I actually wrote a curriculum for the computer literacy class that I teach and I wrote a unit on information literacy. And it was so important for me, for these seventh graders to understand that when they see a picture on Instagram, for example, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's 100% valid. So for example, during one of the hurricanes, there was a picture of a seal in the streets of New York City and someone posted something and was commenting on that. And some people just see that picture and say, oh my gosh, there was a seal in the street. it turned out to be from another time from maybe somewhere in Thailand or I don't remember where, but nowhere near New York City. And I tried to express, you know, that it's so important to look at things and not just accept everything. I don't want people to be cynical, but I want them to see that it's really important. And especially these days, because not only children, but also adults. I think there was a recent study that showed the majority of people get their news from social media, which is troubling because there are so many different problems with that. But the main one is that they do not know that where the information is coming from is credible. And there's actually a podcast that um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Sam Harris. He has a podcast called Making Sense and his One of his recent podcasts, number 218, he interviewed Tristan Harris, who uh, worked at Google, and now he's the co-founder of the Center for Humane Technology. And he talks about how troubling it is that what you look at on social media determines what comes up when you do searches. So it's also, he's also the creator, I believe, of the new... Um, do- what documentary, The Social Dilemma. I don't know if you've heard of that. Actually, I but, think I have heard of that, yeah. Yeah, and it's really, it's. It, I liked the podcast better because the, the, the documentary is great, but it was a little too dramatic for my taste, but it definitely shows the importance of understanding where your information comes from. And it shows that if you believe a certain thing, whether it's politically or anything else, and you keep on looking at articles based on what you believe, then the next time you search for something, something is going to come up that already, you know, confirmation bias that already confirms what you believe so that it almost is making our country more divided because the people who believe one thing are only seeing articles that relate to their beliefs and vice versa. So it's something that if children at a young age become aware of, I teach one of the things I teach in my computer literacy class that it's so important to read laterally. So that if you read something from a very left-wing newspaper, you should read an article from a right-wing newspaper to get both perspectives. Um, And there's also interesting websites that I found. One of them is the flip side and it will give the day's news from both perspectives. And it's it's nice because it summarizes it quickly so it's not these intensely long articles. And another one is called Vote Smart. And that, it's just to give different perspectives. I think more than ever, it's important for people to say, okay, I understand you have a different opinion and I want to hear what you have to say instead of just closing our minds to what we already believe and we want everyone else to believe. So yeah, that's one of the most important things I find in my, in my classroom and especially in research in high school, research is one of the most important things that you learn 
So you could just Google something, but like I tell my students, Google has 35 trillion pages that are accessed when you Google something. Some of them are great and some are just completely made up from anybody. And it's really important to learn how to use credible databases that have been vetted by experts. Wow. I mean, you you touched on so many important points. And actually, you touched on a lot of things that I didn't put down in our notes that I was going to say anyway. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. I think uh, I'll start with your first point, which was that I agree that a lot of students, you know, we're busy people. We have constant work, both with academics, with test prep, studying, people who do sports or music have those additionally, um, extracurriculars, like really our lives are constantly in motion. And I feel like because of that, a lot of students will kind of just go for the most easily accessible news sources, like um, I won't name specific examples because I'm not 100% sure on that, but there are definitely, I know, news sources that are kind of just like news aggregators that find, um, they kind of sample different places to create their articles, so it's almost like a combination of sources. I think those are um, a decent alternative to just getting news off of Instagram, and I, I personally... Um, I would consider myself very well informed and I do read the news every day, although I do kind of fall into the trap of only reading the New York Times, which of course is is somewhat left leaning. So of course there is a little bit of confirmation bias there, but there are just so many things I want to touch on and I'll keep it brief because I know this is we could add Wall Street Journal to that. So even Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So actually funny thing, a couple of things. So I took the SAT two weeks ago and one of my reading passages was actually about this exact question, which was people preferring digital news over um, physical newspaper and then how that's affecting the integrity and the um, sensationalism of the news, which I thought was just so interesting because I was like, oh my god, I'm going to do a podcast about this. Like, It was kind of funny for me to see that on my SAT, um, but also I'm taking uh, criminal law right now as an elective and actually one of the units that we're discussing is news literacy. So, um, you know, my educator has been having so many conversations with my class about confirmation bias, as you said, being, uh, you know, politically and intellectually and factually informed, having opinions that are your own, but also are formed on knowing the full story and all the information. So I think these are just conversations more people need to be having, especially in high school, because if you read the same news every day from the same source about the same things you're not really getting the full picture i mean obviously there are some news sites that kind of just blow things out of the the water and then there's the onion which is purposely satirical which i only discovered a few days ago and that was a very interesting discovery (laughs) but and the other thing that i noticed i mean that we all have been noticing is that the level of professionalism within the news business has gone down. It's it's really not such a great thing that most reporters now insert their opinions into news pieces. So I understand people have very strong opinions and strong reactions to the news that is all around us, but it's troubling to me because I remember I had, when I was in my 20s, I wrote for a local New York City newspaper and they would send me out onto these 
jobs and I had to report on, you know, maybe a city council meeting or something. That's so and I remember feeling strongly wow. about it, but I couldn't put my own opinion in that article. I had to write the facts, what they were, what happened. I could talk about it with people, but now it seems that that kind of has gone away and people insert their opinions, which I don't think is such a great way to go. Yeah, I I totally agree. And to add on to what you were saying, I I had no idea you were a reporter in your younger years. That's amazing. It was a short-lived career. I I realized I didn't love it as much as other kinds of writing. Yeah, that's still very cool. But I think the most important thing is um, whether you want to go into politics, an international career, law, anything that like requires you to have very informed opinions on current matters, I still think it's important for all people, especially teenagers, to make sure that you're being well-informed from the right sources. Um, Definitely, I think, because we're in our our more malleable, you you know, formation years of our opinions and our ideologies. So, you know, there, I could go on forever about this since I'm currently learning about it in school, but I think the biggest takeaway is make sure that not only with news, I mean, if we connect this to what we were saying before, literature and academia, when you're writing a research paper, we always practice exemplification, which is, you know, using multiple sources to find data that corroborates with the point you're trying to prove. I think it's important to have that not only with writing a research paper, you know, for whether it's Model UN, for your AP English class, for your history class, or an elective, but also just to understand that in our own lives, with any project that you undertake, it's always important to use multiple sources across the spectrum, you know, within the context of being reasonable and accurate news to inform yourself. And even when I write newspaper articles for our school newspaper. I'm the editor of the um, international and national news section, so I do a lot of politics reporting, which of course is very charged. Um, I tend to use multiple articles from both uh, left, center, moderate, and right um, affiliations to make sure that what I'm reporting is my interpretation of the facts presented now that I've seen the whole situation from multiple perspectives to really know okay is this someone else's opinion they're presenting to me or do I have the opportunity to form it myself and that's great that you see that I wish everyone your age was able to see that but hopefully we'll you know be able to educate younger people more on this there's actually another great resource is the news literacy project I don't know if you've heard of that they have some really great resources and they have lessons they have all different things exactly what you're talking about to teach students how to see what is valid and what is credible and how to get your news in a way that's not biased so it's a really great resource also definitely um and one more point before we move on just in general with with anything really i think the key aspect of being a young person is kind of exploring feeling things out for yourself forming your own opinions is incredibly important you know not only that they are informed, but that they're your own. And I think it's really tricky when um, a lot of things like easy access, cable news, Instagram news, news from uh, just kind of these like quick fire, um, 24 hour news places, which often are very sensationalized, politicized, representing someone else's opinion, or even news analyst shows like um, various talk shows that, you know, are often 
alienated uh, alienated with either the left or the right of the spectrum that kind of are someone else's opinion that it's not really genuine in a way so i i think it's incredibly important to be cognizant also you know the whole multiple sources check for bias make sure that you're not being fed someone else's opinion that you can differentiate is this someone else's interpretation or is this just an account of what happened but then also realizing you can form your own opinions so that's um, a great point and as a librarian the librarian in me also feels that reading 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 is one of the best ways to inform not just non-fiction books but the more fiction you read you gain perspective of other people's lives and what they've gone through and history and that i think expands your mind in a way that allows you to be more open-minded toward others 100% speaking of expanding your mind just a couple more notes on what we're currently talking about um just i i think a more light and breezy ending to this episode let's talk about quickly how people can access the arts and culture, which I think, given our current climate, both politically and socially, it's nice to kind of take a breather from the stress and toil of everyday life. So um, I'm wondering, have you kind of experienced any of this new social exploration into arts and culture over quarantine, maybe with your podcast additionally? I Yeah, I think there are so many great resources online especially because when you're stuck at home, you can't go out and go to the museums and go to places where you normally would have gone. Um, For me, the main one that I notice is with books. I always prefer reading print books, but there are so many different ways that people can get eBooks and other things to read that, you know, if they can't get to the library or they can't go buy books. So there, a lot of people don't know about Google books, even Google books is, uh, database that Google started. They started going to libraries and scanning their actual books. And you can go on Google Books and sometimes get an entire book for free just in front of you on the computer. Um, there's another project called Project Gutenberg. And I, that I use that all the time for free English. Ebooks, and it's really yeah. interesting. You know, people really care about providing books to people who can't always get books. And even in our own library, we have Overdrive and Sora, which is a something that will give, we don't have complete access yet, but we're in the process of getting it. And you'll be able to get any books that you need online again. But in addition to that, there are so many other exciting things like Google Earth. I can spend hours going on Google Earth and Mm. looking at a certain part of the world and then getting to see exactly what it looks like. And it's really amazing what we can do with, with, you know, digital technology today. Speaking of Google Earth, I remember my middle school days of using Google Earth to imagine where I would move after college and just looking at different places around the world. That's I'm just like remembering that memory. Um, that's great. That's that's <laughs> my, to show how old I am. I used to do that when I was your age, but I would spin the globe and wherever my finger, wherever would stop and my finger landed, that's where I would want to go. <laughs> that's pretty old school, but I, I do have to say it. I think that's the more fun method. <laughs> For me personally, um, I've been going a lot to the Nassau County Art Museum, which is pretty close to my house, it's about a 15 minute drive. And I've been going there a lot with my father. It's free, it's easy to access, you know, at least for me. Um, but you can just walk around the grounds and see 
both the nature and the art. I think just, as you were saying before, the fact that people are having to adapt to pretty much containing their entire lives on the internet um, has really propelled a lot of people, as you're saying, to make digital databases, digital adaptations. So even for my French summer assignment for AP French, I had to research um, different French culture um, exhibits and things like that. So I actually did a tour of the Louvre Museum on an, an arts and culture exhibit, and that was just so interesting. So I think really, you know, not even uh, just with literature, with audio, as you're saying, with podcasts, reading, both in print books, ebooks, um, the Gutenberg project, as I was saying before, I've used all the time for English, and I think I will still look into it more for just pleasure books. Um, but there's really just so much out there that you can use to expand your mind and just learn something new. I, I agree. And I think that's one of the positives that has come out of this horrible pandemic is that people are going to continue using these resources. And some people like me who don't really love to be in huge crowds and around a lot of people, it's a great way to say, oh, I can sit at my computer and go on a museum tour. Or obviously, it's never exactly the same as being there in person, but it's really nice to be able to have all those options. I Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think if we bring this back to social media specifically, I think it's important to maintain a balance between um, really containing all of your life on the internet, I was saying before, and social media, kind of broadcasting your life to other people and using it to really just make yourself feel good, to enrich yourself, to make sure that you're not um, you know, unhealthily developing comparisons and really just make sure that you're taking care of your mental health, going outside, um, doing something to not only enrich yourself, but just help yourself a little bit. I think in these these difficult times, it's really important that everyone just maintains that priority of self-care. So that was exactly, I was just <laughs> thinking about outside. I was about to say, I tell all my students, no matter how much you love social media or the internet, it's so important to get out in nature because that brings you back to yourself and it really grounds <laughs> you in a way that no matter how much you love social media, you, you can't get that from what you can get from nature. Totally agree. My recommendation is if you're studying and the words are starting to blur and you're falling asleep, I recommend reading a book. Um, it might not be the best in high pressure situations, but definitely it can help you kind of escape and discover a whole new world that you can kind of use as a way to give yourself a mental refresher and kind of restore yourself. Absolutely. So with that, um, before we'll close, I'll end one more note. Um, if any of you are current students at our high school and you are interested in joining the Literature Club, you can either email me or DM me on Instagram or email Ms. Greenberg and we'll be happy to set you up. The club hasn't officially started yet, but we're most likely going to start next month. So that's kind of like the opening window for new members for us to kind of give you the orientation and such. Um, and as always, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at Global Perspective Podcast and at Caroline underscore OWXN. Be sure to tune in two weeks from today for the next episode with another one of my teachers. And if you like this episode, please consider subscribing or leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. 
Ms. Greenberg, thank you so much for coming on the show. We had just such an engaging and really interesting discussion. So really just thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So thank you everyone for listening and signing off. I'm Caroline Owen with The Global Perspective.